Kate Wheeler and I am here with Christine Bentley and you're listening to the best of what she said right here on 105.9 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by Roar Publishing from concept to content. It's hard to believe it's almost 2018 and we want to thank you for taking the time to tune in to the show today. We had the incredible pleasure of chatting with a Canadian icon. He has eight Junos, is part of three halls and walks of fame, has the Order of Canada and Manitoba, and besides everything else, has a highway bearing his name. The one and only Tom Cochran takes a look at the past and what's ahead. You may know her as an Olympic skating phenomenon, an author, or as a sought-after speaker or coach, but Elizabeth Manley is also a huge champion of mental health as well as ovarian cancer and Alzheimer's research. We absolutely love Liz, and this is one you will truly not want to miss. Well, they say the only sure things in life are death and taxes, but how many of us actually think about our deaths or talk about or plan the things that surround it. Yvonne Heath of Love Your Life to Death isn't one of those people, and she is on a mission to change the way we all approach this topic in our lives. It was a fascinating discussion. Yeah. We'll also have a chat with the founders of Inner Balance Wear. That's an underwear line that, while colorful and practical, is also designed to raise awareness and support mental health initiatives. Kieran Samra, who created the travel platform Locify, tells us her, how her app links travelers with locals. And closing out the show, we have one of Canada's iconic female rock vocalists and the voice of the headpins, Darby Mills. We want to thank you for tuning in to what she said on 105.9 The Region and hope that you have an absolutely fabulous new year. You can find us on social media at What She Said Talk, and don't forget to watch full interviews at whatshesaidtalk.com. We'll be here with brand new episodes next weekend. But for now, Kate, the best of what she said will be right back on 105.9 The Region. you remember when you first fell in love with reading? Well, you weren't really reading, were you? No, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it? To a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being read to. Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy-to-use player, one home for all your audiobooks and ebooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30-day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. And joining us now is a proud Canadian, an iconic musician, a man who has remained humble, gives back, and whose life is actually kind of like a highway. The one and only Tom Cochran. Welcome. Yeah, it is a highway. I mean, it, uh, yeah, well, you've described just, it as as a highway. Yeah. But what may, prompted the song in the first place? Because it had <clears throat> no, it, it was a highway of sorts, but it was a journey. It was a journey. Yeah, it's all a journey, right? Mm -hmm, Maybe mm -hmm. that's why the metaphor uh, hit home so much, but. 
Yeah, I mean, I had this sketch sitting around. That's what I used to call demos. And uh, it was called Love is a Highway at the time. It's actually on the, the re-release, the Mad Mad World 25 re-release. And it's called Love is a Highway, but a distinctly different feel. There's some sky going on and, and that. And, and I got back from this uh, long, long trip in Africa with World Vision, who I've got a long-standing relationship mm-hmm. with. And um, it was a pretty heavy trip. And, you know, we got to places like Mozambique and, and saw a lot of disturbing things and it was a war zone and we were shot at and then and saw somebody die in front of me. And it was a very, very heavy trip. And I got home and um, it was weighing heavy on me for a while. And, and I actually went up to the studio. I used to call it my shed in, in Oakville uh, one morning. And within an hour... I had the song done, um, and I used the, this this particular sketch I had had sitting around uh, because I want something really really positive uh, as a pep pep talk to myself, <laughs> something to pull me out of this funk, and uh, it did it for me. Finished the song, felt better because that's what songwriting is like. It's therapeutic, you know, and it becomes therapy uh, therapy for the artist for the writer. But then hopefully it resonates with a lot of people and becomes therapy for them. So 14 months later, it's the happiest thing I've ever written. And, <laughs> and, uh, and it, it, it just became a pep talk for a lot of other people. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's magic, really, when a song happens like that. Well, it's a go-to for me on the treadmill, I'll tell you. I, can, well, I, can, you. I just yeah. play it over and over again, and I can get through an hour, no problem. But, you know, this really is a pivotal time for you. Everything seems to be happening First of all, you have a highway named after you. I know. Well, what a great honor that is. So that's that's the road that goes from Thompson, Manitoba, up to Lynn Lake, where I was born. And uh, a great honor. I was just at the legislative building in, in Manitoba and, and played a couple of songs there. And the premier uh, unveiled the, the, the sign, which is... It's pretty. The, yeah, it's the northern yeah. lights and the tr- silhouette of the trees and... And my uh, my guitar from from the video "Life's a Highway" is is uh, racing along the road, so it's it's going to be fun. We're going to go up there next summer, maybe, and have a good look and visit some of the communities on the road, and maybe some of the indigenous communities. And who knows? Maybe we'll have a road rally at some point for charity up there. But it's um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 an incredible honor, but one of the strangest honors I've ever had. But it's wonderful. I, I just. Uh, yeah, a highway. Man, I'll tell you. My, my dad would have been proud. My mom, um, you know, we grew up around here, but, of course, they're Manitobans, and my dad was a bush pilot, started up there where I was born and left there fairly young. But it's um, they were always very proud of that heritage, and I think a lot of these small communities uh, helped define who we are, and not just me as a family and myself, but, but as, a, as a nation. And uh, the way you know communities pulled together, so it's it's. Um, Dad would he's pr- hopefully he's looking down on this. He he'd be proud of this. Well, one of the things you know you have said before is that you're a big super- supporter of journalism. In fact, at one point you wanted to to be one. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering when you talk about um, you know Manitoba and Highway, and you said maybe we'll do a concert up there. How do you feel about what Gordani's doing, the Truth and Reconciliation, all that kind of thing? Would you tie in with that? Well. <laughs> How can can you feel about it? I mean, mm. it's it's coming from a really important place. Um, so it's wonderful that that he's able to channel the horrible ordeal he's going through um, into something that I think he said on P- uh, an interview with Peter Mansbridge. Who I actually, ironically enough, just saw about an hour ago <laughs> um, that 
you know, it's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's very courageous. Uh, I do think that, you know, I think this is the most incredible country in the world. And you see a lot of the, um, boy, you see a lot of the, the, the tension uh, in the states now and the disparity and, and this and that. And it, it's, you know, sometimes we can be a little smug about it, right, as Canadians, because we do have an incredible country. We, we, we do have a lot of tolerance in our country. But, you know, the indigenous, indigenous situation is something that um, it's easily swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there's a lot of need in, in some of those communities. There's, there's a lot of um, issues that aren't really addressed in, in maybe a way they could be addressed. And so the reconciliation is, is um, it's a wonderful agenda, you know, as long as it heads some, somewhere. And mm-hmm. I think, but it's, but it's a start to, uh, to acknowledge our um, in, indigenous communities for sure. Well, you yourself are very humble, very philanthropic. How did you first get involved with World Vision? Um, boy, it's interesting. You know, we did um, Tears Are Not Enough. So there's a cast of thousands, mm-hmm. you know, the, and, and of course there was the American Initiative with Quincy Jones. But, you know, all we all got together as artists and, and sung on this thing. And I thought, you know, it's so easy to walk away from it and forget about it. I, and I remember we sponsored a kid. And I was always interested in third world because I did want to be a, a correspondent. I think journalism is the cornerstone for democracy. And I thought there was nothing more courageous than going away as a journalist, putting yourself in danger to report back the truth. And I was always fascinated by a lot of those countries in the third world and, and uh, you know, lifestyles, politics, all that stuff. So it, you know, it interests me. And we, we sponsored a kid, Kathy and my wife, and I, we sponsored a, a child through World Vision. And I was really impressed with the organization. I was impressed with their integrity. And then a, a friend of mine, Skip Prokop, uh, the drummer from Lighthouse, was involved with them and asked me to go up and do a 24-hour famine on the radio, and I agreed to do it. And then a few months later, Terry David Mulligan said, you want to go to Africa with World Vision? I said, yeah, let's find a window to do that. I would love to do that. So we ended up planning this trip, going on this trip. And, you know, these things choose us a lot of times, Mm -hmm. and we we choose to acknowledge them or not, Mm because I I really believe in providence and synchronicity in life. And I'm glad I did. I went on that trip. It changed me uh, in, in in a great sense that it made me probably a more patient person, probably made me a better dad. You know, I remember I saw one little girl in, in Shangara in, in Mozambique war zone. And, uh, I looked at her and, and her mama just died in her arms from starvation. And, and she was looking up at us like, how can you stand there with your cameras and your pens? And you couldn't save my mom. And, 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 at that moment, I saw, my little, breaks, yeah. I saw my girls in her eyes, you know, psychologists would call it transference and that. But it, it does change. It makes you realize just how it puts stuff in perspective back here and makes you realize how lucky we are. And, and so I've been really blessed to be able to help them do the heavy lifting that they do because it's, it's just whatever small bit I, I put in, it's, it's, it's good to see them do the work. And I, I move on to other things, but they stay there doing the hard work. The NGOs and, and the expats that are Canadians and Americans and that, they stay there doing the work. So it's good to be able to help out in that situation. And very quickly, in the meantime, National Music Centre launches special exhibition dedicated yeah. to you. Yeah, we just came like, back from Like, this is your year. Yeah, what's yeah. going on? You know, yeah, so we, we went, now we started in uh, Heritage Classic in Winnipeg, so... 50,000 people at that. 
um, the NHL and the alumni game. And then we went to Toronto for this World Vision function and then to Miami and then back to Calgary. And Calgary was like three days whirlwind and just a wonderful facility. Every Canadian should get to this facility. There's something there for everybody. The Stones Mobile unit is there, recording mobile. Um, it's got a, a club attached to it, which is the uh, famous uh, King Eddie Hotel, and they're attached. And, and, and so we did a couple of shows there, and that's kind of where we had our release party for uh, Mad Mad World 25. And we're really excited. There's a recording of Chicago, live Chicago recording from Circa 1992 that, that kicks butt on this record that we've, we're releasing on this CD, as well as the original demo for, for Life's a Highway, which is Love is a Highway. Well, thank you so much for telling us all about it and giving us well, a little thank you, insight. You guys. It's, it's great. It's, uh, it's good visiting you and uh, your charming ladies, and I really appreciate <laughs> it. And thanks for the support station as well. This is what she said. We'll be right back. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com tc or call 416-340-7270. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Fashion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit KearnsandCo.com. Saturday night at the movies. Saturday night at the movies? Don't know what picture to see? And Brody's got you covered. Did you like the film? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, that no. does it. I then. love your honesty. <laughs> Films about paranoia, I think they do us a lot of good. Because it's not happening to us. <laughs> I took your mom, Romy who loves a good film. We laughed our socks off. I was so bored watching it. <laughs> a film critic who shoots straight from the hip. Saturdays on What She Said Talk. We are absolutely delighted to welcome to the studio Elizabeth Manley, a, an Olympic silver medalist, a corporate spokesperson, product ambassador. <laughs> she does everything. But really, you're known for being a champion for mental health. And that's because you yourself went through this. And it was a secret. And you were only 18? I was actually uh, 16, actually, yeah. when I went through it. Um, by the time I was 18 was when I came back to skating. But it... You know, it, it, it's interesting because for people it was a secret, but I tried to expose it. I tried to come out with it. And um, it was interesting in the 80s, the stigma for depression or mental illness or any sort of mental health. The stigma was at its highest in the 80s. And it was interesting because when I 
kind of exposed and I wrote a book about my depression and what I went through four years before Calgary. It was literally swept under the carpet. People weren't ready to put, quote unquote, Canada's sweetheart and a mental health issue on the same page. They didn't. Mm. They just wanted to have that memory of me in Calgary with the white cowboy hat and the cute pink dress and the really bad blue eyeshadow. But, <laughs> um, hey, it's they, coming back. I know, I know. <laughs> so they just wanted to maintain that image and they weren't ready to to really open themselves up to try to understand and hear the story, you know. So what was the trigger for you back then when you were a teenager? It was just a combination of so many things. Um, uh, I mean, it just roller coastered. I mean, I was the national champion by the time I was 15, 16 years old. So I was representing an entire country. I was about to, you know, embark on my first Olympic experience and, and to go after that. And then things just started to roller coaster into uh, my coach ended up leaving me. There was no one else in the Ottawa area that could coach me. Um, my, my parents had divorced. My mother was struggling to keep me in the sport. We didn't have any money to send me anywhere. And everything just kind of snowballed. And I found myself going off at 16 years old to train in the United States. And I was completely by myself. And within months, I had a complete breakdown and I lost all my hair. I gained about 35 pounds in water retention. I couldn't even put skates on. Um, I physically broke down. And, and the reason I physically broke down was because I was holding everything inside. As an athlete, I was trained. You don't express your feelings. If you express your feelings, you're considered weak. And your competitors feed off that. You know, if I missed a jump or if I was upset on the ice, my coach would just say, you know, toughen up. Go do it again. You know what I mean? Suck it up. Suck it up. up. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I always laugh because my weightlifting partner in those days, somebody I would go to the gym with three times a week and actually train with a personal trainer, Mm -hmm. was Steve Iserman. (laughs) <laughs> so okay. I'm not going to go to the gym with, he was the same age as me and go, oh, Steve, I'm having a really bad day. <laughs> it's like, you just don't do that. Right. And so I really, as, as a young teen, uh, I kept so much locked up inside and I physically just broke down. But Liz, you then went on to get treatment. Mm-hmm. You then went on to compete in the Olympics. Yep. And then you say that it's, it's a lifelong struggle because five years ago, your world caved in again. Absolutely. You don't, uh, you know, I don't want people, to, I mean, to believe that if they have a depression, that they can be cured overnight. It's not that. What depression is, is you you learn to live with it and you learn to live a fulfilled life and a successful life with it. And through the treatments that I had as a kid to get me back out, I mean, I was in in a bad way. I mean, I was that typical 16-year-old kid sitting on the side of my bed going, mm-hmm. do I want to live? And because I felt I had nothing else. I mean, my it platform, really got that bad. It got really that bad until I got the help. And five years, in the last five years, as an adult now, um, oh, 50, I won't say my age. <laughs> well, none of us do. Uh, yeah, it's okay. yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of things traumatically have happened in my life. My best friend in my, in my entire life was my mother. She passed mm-hmm. away of ovarian cancer. A year later, my father passed away of Alzheimer's. A year after that, I lost a baby, and I was told I could never have children, so it was a miracle child. And then exactly a year after that, I lost my dog. It was my best friend. And it was just one thing after another. And reaching back to 1983, when I went through this as a teenager, I realized the signs. I realized I needed help. I needed to not be afraid of that and not be afraid to tell people, I'm going back to therapy. And I did. 
And I'm sitting here today in front of you, and I've gotten my life kind of back together again. I don't want to say kind of, but I, I've, I learned to live, and I learned my, my trigger points when I need to take a day off. You travel all over the place talking yeah. to people, empowering people about this, and you've just come back from the Yukon where you saw something that you say really could be a blueprint for the rest uh, of the country. It was they brought me, uh, the, the Yukon government, the government of Yukon brought me in to be a keynote speaker because they are joining forces, joining their partnership with First Nations, which we mm-hmm. all know is having a very traumatic problems in their reserves and everything that exists across Canada. And they have joined forces for, they were joining forces for a two-day summit to gather and discuss what can we do to help this problem? You know, what areas financially, emotionally support everything. And I witnessed this whole entire two days of summits with the First Nations people, as well as the government. And I literally left the Yukon with goosebumps. Uh, It had nothing to do with me speaking, but it was just to see this empowerment of these people joining together saying yes we we need to we need to understand that this is a huge problem in society today and what can we do to fix it and it was just so great to see the first nations working with the government and i told them as i was speaking i said you guys as you just said you have such a blueprint for all provinces across canada this is what needs to be done we all need to just group together, support each other, and understand the severity of of mental health today in our society. Well, the stigma you say in sports was pretty strong. Do you see that changing? I definitely see it changing. And, you know, and I I don't want to pat my own back, but I'm hoping it's people like myself or Clara Hughes and all the ones that have come forward Mm -hmm. and have really expressed what it's like behind the sporting world. Um, But I am proud to say to you as I'm sitting here, the sport federations in Canada, in all organizations, and all the sports have really set into a program now where they're understanding that the the psychology and the and the mental being of an athlete is just as important as their training. And so they've really jumped on board on trying to help the athletes get through the rough times. Well, I mean, as they're older athletes, there may be times when I, I mean, I've always been stunned at, say, the hockey program. I didn't realize mm-hmm. skating worked as well, that you're just sent away to a, yeah. another, you're boarded with another family. Oh, We've so. heard... The terrible situations mm-hmm. that have gone on with coaches and young athletes, and yes. certainly people are in prison for that. But I mean, it must—it it must have been terrifying for your mom as well to send you away. It, it really was, um, because it was like letting her little girl go. Mm-hmm. And in those days, I thought the U.S. was a really weird, strange country that was, you know, five hundred thousand miles away. And then she said it's only three hours. I went, oh, okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, the first part of your the statement there may exactly, still be accurate. Exactly, I know. <laughs> Uh, we, we only wish it was if Trump gets in there, right? Oh, it's okay. that's what's Let's not even go down there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it it was very difficult because you have to remember in the 80s, we didn't have computers. We didn't have Skype. We didn't have cell phones. Yeah. We didn't have any of that communication. I mean, when my father moved away when I was very young to Europe, we had handwritten letters to each other. You snail know? mail. I know, yeah. a snail mail, exactly. And so it, it was a really difficult time. And to be very open and honest about that situation. I mean, I arrived in Lake Placid, New York in October, and my mother literally ripped me out of there in December. In in only a matter of a couple months did I completely have a breakdown and lose all my hair. And I was completely bald. I just lost everything and, and just gained all this water retention. And it took numerous specialists to figure out what what was going on with me. And then when I got into a really good specialist, that's when I was diagnosed as having depression and a nervous breakdown. And But... I have to tell you, 
80% of my, my depression and my breakdown, we, we found out through therapy, wasn't skating. Um, well, it wasn't. It wasn't. No. It was personal. It was my brothers not being at home, my mom struggling, my dad moving to Europe. It was mm-hmm. a lot of emotion, not having friends, not being what we call a normal kid. It was a lot of things that I was really depressed about. Elizabeth, we don't have too much time, but there was one area that you wanted to focus on, and that is the workplace, where you're seeing now the call to action. It's amazing. Um, I've actually gone to speak from various groups. I've spoken to the real estate you know, board of Canada. I've spoken to IBM. I've spoken to many companies because they're understanding now the number one cause of people missing work today is, is mental health mm-hmm. reasons. And we are finally in a time where we are able to speak out about it and, and corporations are, are putting programs into into place for that. And it's been wonderful experience for me to go and speak to these groups. Well, thanks for joining us. This is what she said. Stay with us. Do you remember when you first fell in love with reading? Well, you weren't really reading, were you? No, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it? To a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being read to. Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy-to-use player, one home for all your audiobooks and ebooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30-day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com TC or call 416-340-7270. Fashion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. Feeding the family got you frantic? As feeding two teenage boys, I mean, at the end of the week, that's all I really want to do is save some money on my groceries. Is your fridge ever actually full? Oh, my, no. <laughs> I think I'm the only person that comes to a radio interview with a cooler. Not only was it so much fun, but it was super easy. And even my kids, when we cut into it last night, they even looked at it and they were like, Mom, you made this? I think you can do this in your sleep. Wholesome, on-budget fixes from foodie Charmaine Broughton on What She Said Talk. Grief and death are things that many of us shun, and we certainly don't prepare for them. And that is something our next guest, Yvonne Heath, a longtime nurse, a mother, a wife, a friend, and all-time compassionate an inspiring human being. She's on a mission to change all that. Welcome to what she said. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. What compelled you to leave your nursing career, write a book, become a speaker, 
and start all this? Well, I have to say it wasn't on the agenda, certainly at age 50 to change my career. But after 27 years, I I witnessed our death phobic society and how our reluctance to even plan for grief as it shows up throughout life caused excessive suffering in many people's lives, including my own. And we just didn't know how to do it differently. And we weren't talking about it. So I just took a leap of faith, and my poor husband heard me say, I'm going to leave my nursing career and write a book with no experience. And (laughs) yes. But somebody somebody listening to this would think that you might be, you know, obsessed with something a little morbid. But in actual fact, this is a very positive spin that you have on all this. Tell us about the I Just Showed Up campaign and how this all works together. Well, it's um, to me, after. Interviewing so many people and what I realize is when it comes to grief, we don't know what to do and we don't know what to say. So if we talk about it, plan and prepare before, we can share stories and we can use logic and even heart and humor because it's already serious enough, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's already serious enough. But if we, we talk about it before the grief arrives, then we can empower ourselves and create resilience and learn from each other. And that's what the I Just Showed Up campaign is about. Because when we don't know what to do and we don't know what to say, the three words are just show up. When someone is grieving, and grief is throughout life, isn't it? Mental health issues, job loss, getting dumped, and you don't think you're going to get over it. It's, it's throughout life, and, uh, and it can be messy. And we just need to show up for people. What are your takeaways? You say you have seven takeaways, very Mm -hmm. briefly. Very briefly. Well, um, to make a long story short, uh, the seven takeaways are the best time to talk about plan and prepare for grief is indeed before we are facing it. And number two is that we do need our village. A lot of people, you know, grief counselors and bereavement counselors, they're all wonderful. But when it comes to, you know, chronic illness or things we're facing throughout life, we need our village, our family and our friends, because it takes a village to live well, to grieve well and to die well. And of course, the third one is when someone is having a hard time, just show up. The big one, number four, is if you want to show up for other people, just show up for yourself first and also structure your life in such a way that you are resilient. Find your post that you can hang on to no matter what in times of grief. And the seventh one is what will your legacy be? Um, What is your new purpose then now? My new purpose is to go out and have conversations with people. And with this I Just Showed Up campaign, we have these bracelets, which are actual uh, a visual reminder. And it says, I just showed up right on it. And it's a conversation starter. And what it is is to remind people to show up for themselves and just show up for others. And together we can create a culture of change where we can face grief, get through it, help each other heal and find joy again. Show us your book here, which is called Love Your Life to Death. And the the message in that is if we talk about plan and prepare long before we are facing grief, we can learn from each other and we can find joy again. That sort of sums it up. What has the reaction been? Well, I have to say, I, I was going to say I don't mean to brag, but I kind of do because we have 2,600, over 2,600 books in print, and I've had more people than I can count say this has changed their lives, and they've done end-of-life planning and opened up conversations, and that's what gets me up sometimes at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> what is your long-term plan? Because you, you, you've started this, but, but there, 
it, it probably doesn't have any boundaries. It has no boundaries. Our goal is to bring Love Your Life to Death, and I just showed up across Canada and then globally. Is this something that hospitals could learn from? Oh, my goodness. I would love to get in hospitals. And, you know, the thing is, is that with healthcare professionals, many of us don't know how to take care of our, uh, ourselves well, and we don't know how to show up for each other. And I believe that this is a really important message. I would love to get in schools for healthcare professionals and teachers long before they become healthcare professionals. But yes, I'd love to speak to every hospital. Yeah, because this is the sandwich generation. So this is definitely a conversation that many people need to be having as a family. Absolutely, 100%. We can't avoid grief, but we can avoid excessive suffering. Where can people buy this book? They can go right to our website, www.loveyourlifetodeath.com. Yvonne Heath, uh, where can people connect with you? They can reach us anytime at info at loveyourlifetodeath.com or through our website. Well, thank you so much for coming in and sharing this inspiring message with all of us and um, for people who want to buy the book. Again, um, you've just provided the website. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. Take care. This is what she said. Stay with us. becoming a bigger and bigger topic of conversation these days. There are boomers set on working their way through their bucket list and then there are millennial children who prefer an experience to a thing. Our next guest understands all that and is here to share what her travel startup offers. Karen Samra, welcome to What She Said. Thank you. Now, tell us about how Locify got started. Yeah, so it uh, it really got started. I had a break from my work and I had a chance to kind of reflect on travel and different places I'd been to. And, um, and you know, I, I kind of compared places where I got to connect with someone on a personal mm-hmm. level and then other places I had just passed through. So in my 20s, I did a solo backpacking trip throughout Eastern Europe Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, in in one of the cities, uh, Budapest, I managed to meet uh, a local there. His name was Sabi, and that was really the first Locify experience uh, for me. It was uh, uh, I walked all over the city with him and got to know about Budapest, about the history, and also about him on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And um, in that same trip, I went to other places like Prague, where I just you know did the standard touristy thing of, of seeing the main sites. And when I think back sort of 10 years later, I don't think about Prague anymore, but what, um, Budapest is really alive in my memory because of the person that I met there. So I, you know, thinking about all of this, I realized how important people are to travel and how everyone should have that opportunity of having an experience like I, I had in mm-hmm. Budapest. So um, I thought about this and I felt like, um, you know, something like Lokify is missing in the world and I could be the one that uh, makes it happen. You could be the one they say, yeah. there's an app for that. Yeah. <laughs> so how exactly. exactly does it work? Yeah, so uh, on Lokify, uh, peop- uh, anyone can go on and uh, select, tell us about the city that they're traveling to, uh, their preferred date, how long they would like for the tour, 
and then um, and then we find someone who's the best fit. So at this stage, we're doing a lot of things hands on. So it's we kind of react on demand. So in there's a high chance we already have a network of locals wherever you're going to. We've been we've had tours in 160 cities so far. Wow. Um, but uh, even if we haven't, with with a couple of days' notice, we can um, recruit there and uh, and find the best person. So the person goes on, and you select a person for them, or do they maybe have a choice? Uh, at this stage, uh, we are um, choosing the best person for the traveler. Okay. So we take their preferences into account, their language preference into account. That's mm-hmm. uh, an important one, um, and. Um, and yeah, we we match uh, the travelers up with the with the right person. Okay, so on that note, um, how do you vet the locals you hire to ensure safety and security of travelers? Because I imagine yeah. that's a concern. Yeah, of course. So it's like any job interview. So um, people apply, and we look at their application. That's the first level of filter, um, and then we have an interview with them. Um, usually about half an hour to get to know them better, mm-hmm. make sure they're a good fit. And the kind of things we're looking for is just knowledge of the city, obviously, but also um, how well they interact, um, their social skills, because it's really about, you know, who can, who has that ability to connect with people uh, in, on a personal level quickly. How, what, the people who apply for that job, um, it's interesting. Um, what is their reaction? Why do they want to do it? Yeah, so I don't really think of it as uh, a job. I, it's it's uh, the way we position it is uh, it's really something fun to do on the side. Mm-hmm. So we don't work with professional tour guides. We work with uh, people who are outside of the tourism industry completely in general uh, because uh, we want to provide an experience that's more authentic. And to me, authenticity comes from... Um, a place where you're doing something because you enjoy it and not just for, you know, the monetary gain. So, mm-hmm. and also, uh, you know, a professional tour guide does the same tour day in, day out, maybe yeah. several times a day. Becomes robotic. Yeah. And how can that really right. stay authentic? It's more of a performance. Well, I just got back recently from Croatia, and we had rented a, a place to stay. But the owner was fabulous, and I would imagine that he, this would be the kind of thing. He took us around the entire city, told us some of the history, showed us places that that weren't on the tourist you know, path. Yeah. And, that, and that's, I think, why I like Split. Uh, the best out of my whole trip because he added to it. Yeah. He really did. Kieran, for somebody who is traveling, how far ahead should they go on to Locafy and try and find somebody? I think if we have a few weeks notice, especially uh, if you want to plan it so that you could do a Locafy experience in every city that you're going to, Mm -hmm. uh, it's good to have a couple of weeks heads up so that uh, in case some some of the smaller cities, if we haven't yet started to recruit there, then we can get that started. Okay, so tell people how they can find out more. How do they, yeah, where so do they, go? they can go on locify.com. And, and that's L-O-K-I-F-Y. No, no. K- L-O-K-A-F-Y. F-Y.com. Right. Yeah. A lot of people ask me about the name, too. So, uh, so lok means people in Hindi. Yeah. And phi means to make. So the idea is... To make your travel about people. Just about the pricing, because uh, that's an important point. So you pay uh, according to the, the length of tour and the number of people in the group. 
So it's uh, $15 an hour per person uh, or $25 an hour for solo travelers. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. This is what she said. We'll be right back. Do you remember when you first fell in love with reading? Well, you weren't really reading, were you? No, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it? To a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being read to. Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy to use player, one home for all your audiobooks and ebooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30 day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com slash TC or call 416-340-7270. Fashion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. Mental illness, once a taboo subject, has increasingly come to the forefront of today's media concerns. And one company has chosen an innovative, colorful way to address the issue, underwear. Joining us this evening is Lino Folotico and Alicia Zadrovec of Inner Balance Wear. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Lino, let's start with you. How did this all come about? Uh, My son uh, suffers with anxiety. And one day he's talking to me, and Elise is at, at home with me together. And what's happening is he's trying to express himself. He's he's just he feels overwhelmed. He suffered really from sports anxiety, is what they called it. He got chosen to go to University of Alabama, and this is going. We're going back five years from this time. So he was suffered with they 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 said he was suffering from uh, sports anxiety at the time. He was a striker at, for the University of Alabama. He was chosen. He chose which university he went to. He had multiple offers where he wanted mm-hmm. to go. He chose University of Alabama. When we get there, we sign them all up and everything, and then we we sit down together. I'm I'm making things quick. I'm just getting to the point. We sit down, and he looked at me. He says, Dad, he goes, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And a week before this, he started feeling antsy, very, very antsy. We just thought it was nerves him, you know, going away or whatever. Anyway, we go to Alabama. We sign up the documents. Then we're at uh, dinner together. We're having dinner together. We're celebrating. And he looked at me and said, "Um, It's okay, Lena. We're here. We're here for you. He said, Dad, if I stay, he goes, I'm, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, my goodness. So once I heard this, I called up his coach. I said, Mike, 
I'm sorry. The deal's off. I have to take my son back. Anyway, I brought him back home. Mm-hmm. He got, he was going for some therapy. And that's when they said he had sports anxiety at the time. Fast forward, many years go by now. He's graduated. So we, went to, we had to find a university for him, and he went to Brock University. Thank you. At the time, he was going to University of Alabama. So we had to now find a university for him. We went to um, Brock University. He graduated mm-hmm. five. This is now five years later. Right. He graduated in communications. Very proud of him. Then he, it was, um, he started feeling very... Um, and we started talking one day. He says, Dad, he goes, everything for me feels like it's closed in. He goes, I can't, I can't explain to you how I feel. He goes, it's like everything is crushing him. And I said to my son, son, if there's anything I can do for you, I would take your pain. And I would take it myself. So this is how I felt. I felt I felt hopeless at the time. I just didn't know how to help them. I want to understand them. I want to help you, but I don't get it. I don't get it. For me, I just move forward. Mm-hmm. We get over. I said, look, me and your mom went through a separation. We're divorced. Uh, where I'm not officially divorced, but separated at the time. We had a business she got the business. I started a new company. You have to push yourself to do it. You have to look at things and say, you know what? It's okay. Move forward. He goes, Dad, I'm not you. I'm not you. Mm-hmm. Fast forward into this conversation. I noticed telling my son, son, if I could do this for you, I swear to God, I could take any pain away from you. I would. So how did this realization about inner balance, it came very early one morning with a sunrise. Yeah. Something came to you. The very next day, I'm driving to work, and literally the sun is rising. And like a lightning bolt, it just hits me like that. I saw everything in a matter of 20 seconds, maybe less, but within 20 seconds, I saw exactly what I have to do. So from a catering company that I have, which mm-hmm. I went to underwear company, but I saw the vision in front of me. I says, now I know. Even the lyric, even the song that we, we came up with, even the, like, the first thing you put on BU came out of my head in two seconds. Uh, inner Balance, where it came in, in a matter of one second. I knew all the names. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I called Alicia. I said to her, as a son, I called Alicia up. I says, Alicia, you got to write this down. I see purple. I see indigo. I see, I see blue. I see indigo. I see green. I told her all the colors that I see. I says, I am this. I am that. I am. I am. Okay, so so let 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 me just get Alicia to explain um, to explain the I am message and the right. colors on the on the underwear. Yeah, so it was actually quite fascinating because when he had called me, what Lino has no idea or concept of anything yoga related, chakras, anything like that, like that. So when he was when he actually started listing the colors to me, <laughs> it literally. I did a complete turnabout because I quickly realized that he was listing the chakra colors in order from crown to root. And every affirmation that he was saying, starting with the I am's, was quite literally targeting each and every chakra. Yeah. 
And so he kept saying, I see purple, I see this this blue, but it's a darker, light blue, I got green. chills then. I yeah. got chills. You really got a message, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, on, honestly. And I did. he had no idea that that's what he was talking. And so when I told him, I said, do you have, do you even realize that you just listed the chakra colors? And so he was like, no, no. idea what you're talking about. And so that's when he then he said, Alicia, you, you got to write this down and it has to be let the first thing you put on be you. And that's when I realized this is why he had this fascination with underwear because he kept liking the styles. <laughs> he would talk about yeah, how he liked underwear. Not in not like a, a deviant kind of. No, he just loved I them. Liked them. I don't know it was why. so weird. And now it was like full circle. It actually came full circle as to, oh, my gosh, let the first thing you put on has to be you. It's a- yeah. And the underwear okay. you're choosing. So the affirmations take us through that. I have I am me. That's red. That's right. That's mm-hmm. the red. So the red is the grounding one. So the each of the chakras um, represent for the men and the women are different. So for instance, for the women is I am I am understanding for the purple. Mm-hmm. I am intuitive for the indigo. I am expressive for the blue. The green is I am loving. The yellow is I am spirited. The orange is I am sensual. And the red is I am me. Anything red is always I am me because it's the root and it's grounding. And you are who you are. And it's right. perfect and brilliant just as you are. Exactly. So, And, and for the, the men, it's, it's, it's similar. Different it's different sayings it's for the men. Different sayings for the men. Right. Um, with the similarities always being the red and then the blue, the light blue, because it's the throat and it's expressive. Expressive. That's, that's what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> I really, I'm, I'm so glad I know. <laughs> um, so, but what's really exceptional is what you're doing yes. with Inner Balance Wear is donating 7% net proceeds of all underwear packages sold yes. to... The various mental health associations mental health. and organizations, everything from uh, we're planning on... We didn't want to just partner with one specific. We wanted to go with multiples. So we, we're even targeting the grassroots organizations within communities. Okay, so so this this I'm just it's the whole theory is you're the mood. I mean it's like days of the week underwear, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's mood of the week yeah. underwear. Right. So I am me, this is what I'm I'm feeling today. Yeah. This will reinforce your feeling. My yeah. feeling and will also help other people like your son, right. Lino, um, deal with their um, Mental health. Right. There's That's a right. lot of things in the morning. You don't choose what you want to be. You usually grab your underwears and just put them on and leave, right? Now you're actually choosing what you're going to be today. You make There's a, a conscious You're making effort. a conscious choice of what you're doing today. Therefore, you're already, you're already now in putting in your head. You're instilling in yourself. Here's what I'm going to be today. I'm going to be conscious. I'm going to be thoughtful. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be expressive. I'm going to be me. And there's nothing wrong with that. How is your son? My son is doing pretty good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And how's the company doing? When did you launch? We launched on July, Friday. 7th. Yeah, July seventh. July seventh. July seventh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That is that's amazing. Yeah. And yes. so we're very excited that yes. you came we're, to us yes. to talk about it's it. Innerbalancewear.com. Okay. And our social media pat- platform is Innerbal. So I N N E R B A L Wear W E A R. Okay. And uh, roughly how much do they? Um, they go for eighty-seven seventy-seven. You get the free chakra bracelet included and shipping is completely free and covered. And of that, the 7% will go towards um, the charities. Various charities. And you plan to keep that going? Oh, for sure. It's, it this will never end. Do, never we don't end. want to put a limit exactly as to. This is what I'm meant to do right now. 
It really is. I mean, yeah. seriously, I got chills when you said that. Oh, it's, just... true. it's you can't. This is unbelievable. I'm telling you, I'm living this right now. Yes. And I can't believe it. How's and that? we have a song that was made especially for us. It's okay. called I Am Me by Mel Grace. Um, she wrote it and sang it for us. It's amazing. And it's on our website and it will be released. That is awesome. Thank yes. you very much. And, and thank you, Lino. And thank you for, for talking so openly about this. We need more people to do what you're doing. Thank you. This is what she said. Stay with us. remember when you first fell in love with reading? Well, you weren't really reading, were you? No, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it? To a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being read to. Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy-to-use player, one home for all your audiobooks and ebooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30-day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com slash TC or call 416-340-7270. What you're listening to is Monkey. Guess by whom? She's sitting in our studio. Welcome to What She Said, Darby Mills. Hi. Hello, everybody. Now, in 1978, you embarked on a 38-year journey of epic proportions, becoming one of Canada's iconic female rock vocalists and the voice of the headpins. Um, how did that career start? How, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, wish, I wish I knew. How did it... I... <sighs> joined a rock band in grade 10, um, got fired, joined, started one in my parents' basement, graduated, packed up my gremlin, moved to Edmonton, Calgary, part of me, Alberta, and joined about seven rock bands, bands of all sorts, including a seven-piece all-black band from Harlem, New York, <laughs> that uh, unfortunately only lasted about three weeks when I ran into Steelback, a rock band, which is really one I wanted to sing and not the disco Anita Ward, You Can Ring My Bell, and Donna Summers, which I was doing with Business Before Pleasure was the name of that band. And ended up in Victoria, and eight, nine months later, the headpins gave me a call and said, do you want to join our band? Take your time thinking about it. We'll call you tomorrow. And that was 1981. <laughs> That was 1980, 1980. 1980? 1980. The Turn It Loud album came out in 1981. Ah, and it went double platinum. It, it Like in a month and a half. It was the fastest going double platinum album in Canada on that day in history. <laughs> so did you realize then that you were really making a mark, raising the bar as it was? Uh, you know what? It was all pretty much a blur. The original headpins lasted for just over four years. And in that time, we did three albums. Toured Europe with White Snake, 
I got a chance to meet Cozy Powell and John Lord, who are both gone now. Mm. Uh, David Coverdale, John Sykes, Neil Murray, uh, touring with those boys. That was a highlight of of my life, let alone career. Um, Even better than Eddie Money and Kiss, touring with them? um, You know what? Kiss was one of my highlights, but I've since run into Gene in the the past two years and and not so much highlight anymore. Gene, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is there a story here? Yeah, there is. I'm not going to tell anybody. I just, I'm I'm not, I'm not all over Gene anymore. Sorry, Uh, bud. (laughs) Sorry, Gene. He seems to have turned, he's such such a a businessman these days, or was he always like that? But you know what he probably was? I think that the whole thing yeah. might have been his, his well, just ask him. <laughs> Get your point. What was the highlight of everything? Of it, well, definitely touring with White Snake was the highlight. Um, after, uh, in 1985, I did get fired after the ZZ Top dates. We ran across Canada. Those were incredible. We were getting um, encores. They were booing ZZ Top. They'd turn on the house lights and booze easy top for not get it, giving us an encore and on one particular night i thought they were going to burn down the i mean they were stomping so loud we were in the arena in montreal and we were in the dressing rooms underneath the hockey dressing rooms and it was like wow this they're going to break this place down it, it, that that was that was wonderful but um one of the other one of the, one of the greatest things was after i'd been fired like 4 days later um, i went over to uh, eel pie in London, Twickingham, I believe, is where Ilpai is, which is Pete Townsend's, mm-hmm. was Pete Townsend's studio. I think he just sold it last year on the Thames. And I recorded my first solo project uh, with Pete Townsend in, in the same building for a couple of weeks, three, four weeks, and uh, got to meet some incredible players. I had one of the world's best bass players play on the on the CD, uh, Tony Levin. Um, yeah, the list goes on. So that that was incredible, having the chance to be close to rock and roll royalty. But but now today you've got together with a group of dedicated diehard '80s rock and roll bandmates, which makes up the Darby Mills Project. We've yes. heard a little bit of Monkey just a few moments ago. Tell us about that. Um, about two years ago, I realized. Uh, well, three years ago, I lost my mum, who I had been basically taken care of for the past three years prior and my dad and uh, she got the six six month I don't want to see at the doctors for six months I was taking both of them to the doctor every day or eye doctor or ear doctor or whatever and we got the six month all clear and uh, basically the next day she woke up to a brain aneurysm and we lost her six months later my husband had a massive heart attack in the ambulance in our driveway they broke 10 ribs bringing back his pulse, and um, I just realized that it was time to t- time to figure out who I was, why, why I was here, and why was I settling with what I had been doing for the past 26 years. And so I, um, I re- went in and remastered the Never Look Back CD, which was recorded in 1990 uh, in Vancouver, and so I remastered it. And put it out as flying solo, and reliving, reliving that dream, knowing that if you want to take the wheel and drive, if if you want to be the boss, you got to take the wheel yeah, and drive, so that you can fulfill what might be your dream. Because you never know when your last day is coming. Yeah, absolutely. So, where? How can people connect with you? Find out about 
where you're playing, upcoming tours? Uh, like the website, DarbyMills.com and Facebook. I'm on Facebook, uh, the Darby Mills Project or Darby Mills A Voice, not the, <laughs> um, or just Darby Mills. Uh, so uh, three places there and then the website. So I'm working through an agency out here with Keep uh, Keith Sharp, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be saying his name or not, but and, and Ted, and they're doing a wonderful job reintroducing me to Ontario and Eastern Canada right now, where I've been so vacant from for so many years. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, we will be back next Saturday and Sunday at 10 p.m. We're going to leave you with a little bit now of Monkey by the Darby Mills Project. And Darby, thanks for surviving. Yeah, thank you. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.